0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Welcome in, guys. Day before Browns, Cardinals got a lot of information for you, including behind enemy lines with our Cardinals guest. And then we also cover all the injury report information as presented from Berea. And a very important Friday leading up to a Sunday game. All of that and more in the latest OBR Film Breakdown. What's up, guys? Welcome into the show. It is a weekend. It's going to be a bit of a a brief episode because we're not going to be able to do the lines. Uh, Couldn't get to that, unfortunately. Uh, I know you're all dying to hear our gambling (laughs) information, but couldn't get to that. But we do have a Cardinals guest that I want to get to. Before we do that, though, the big news is Deshaun Watson is going to start, right? And, uh, you know, again, we're going into this game with it being a gigantic mystery. We, We don't know... That we haven't even had really many accounts that the football's coming out better. I mean, again, it's all, you know, beat writer, uh, you know, analysis at practice. So I, I don't have a great answer. For it. We're all just going to have to sort of consume the game and get a feel for it. Uh, Watson admitted that the Colts game, he came back too early, self admission. This one seems like there's more confidence surrounding it. And you might be wondering, like, why would they do that? Why would he start right here? Well, I think that it's probably if he's feeling well enough, right, and saying, well, we'll be cautious another week. Like, I think he he needs more than anything, I've talked about this, reps and confidence because those are two things that he has not been able to display enough of since arriving in Cleveland. So, you know, going into an Arizona game and getting a start against the Cardinals and potentially... You know, the NFL sometimes doesn't go the way you think. So you might have this idea that the Browns are going to win and they're going to win comfortably against a 1-7 and Cardinals team. Well, this team fights. I have no doubt the Cardinals are going to show up ready to play. So Watson's going to have to play well. This is an opportunity against a lesser talented defense to get his feet wet with what the shoulder is going to do in live action. He has to change some of the way he plays. We'll see if he's willing to do that. We'll see if the arm looks okay. I don't have an answer for you. I don't. We thought you know, with the Colts game we would see something promising from him, but we did not get much of that. But we have to hope that with this Cardinals game that he's able to take care of the football and throw it around a little bit, but that they run the ball well above all else. So there's not much I can give you before the game other than he's starting. I think you'll be tuned into this show for analysis after the game for what I think he looks like. You know post game. We'll see if he can get through the whole game. I mean, again, this is a weird situation in a weird injury environment, and we don't have any guarantees of any direction that this is going to go for him. So uh, the good news is that he's starting and feels good enough to start the the questions that surround his start, considering what we saw in you know, Indianapolis are all very fair. You know, so he doesn't get excuses baked into this whole thing. He has to play well if he's deciding to play. He's experienced what it's like to go out there not ready, apparently. So you have to kind of presume that he knows what it takes to be ready now. But I'll say it for the seventeenth time in this opener: we will see. Not uh, not something we should feel overly optimistic about. But the timing of the game, I understand why they would. He and his team and the coach, and I'm sure at least I hope, everybody who came together to make this decision, understanding that this is a game where he could figure some things out, feel good about his shoulder, and then come out of the game feeling like he's ready to, you know, attack the more challenging defenses coming with Baltimore and Pittsburgh, I think that makes a little bit of sense when you think of, like, getting the first game rust or first game back jitters or whatever. I mean, again, a guy who's dealt with nine of 42 starts, there's, perpetual rust that we were hoping would get knocked off, but nonetheless, you know, you hope that this outcome is good. That, I mean, that's all we can hope for is that he's able to play the full game and play it in a way that takes care of the football and he can make some throws. So we'll see soon enough. Other injury report items of note, David Bell has been ruled out in this one. Again, now down Bell, and Donovan Peoples-Jones has been traded. You are looking at um, a limited wide receiver room. Obviously, Tillman will be active. Goodwin, who was out early portions of the week with an illness. He seems back, ready to go. He practiced in full. Most guys practiced in full who are going to play. The DMPs are Alex Wright and Greg Newsom. So you're going to get a Cam Mitchell start in this one. We'll see if the rookie can keep up what has been some spot duty play that I think has been enjoyable. And then limited for two straight days and now questionable is DeWand Jones. So we'll see if he's able to start at right tackle. We don't have any information on that one quite yet. So those are the guys uh, on the Brown side. The big decision on the Indianapolis side is going to be, you know, the availability of Kyler Murray. Are they going to start Clayton Toon or Kyler Murray? Obviously Kyler uh, is coming back and he could possibly be dealing with rust. Although Jonathan Gannon says that he looks really stellar in practice. We'll see what that ultimately looks like, but uh, there's going to be some lingering Uh, You know, missing game time for Kyler Murray. The Browns defense would present some unique challenges and Clayton Toon's a rookie, so it's not a horrible situation for the Browns defense to be in. We'll see. They said they're going to make a decision, maybe even perhaps on the plane ride, uh, is when that decision will be made for them. So, we don't know. You won't know until game day. We might not even have an answer fully when we do the game day preview show. That might be a Schefter tweet in the morning of the game. So, that's the biggest piece of news remaining. Uh, They're still missing James Conner and then uh, De Mercado, the running back who'd been filling in, seems like he is going to be out as well. They're going to miss Cologne uh, along the offensive line. Those two have both been ruled out. And then the remaining names on the spectrum of questionable, Greg Dortch and then Michael Wilson. Who? Michael Wilson's an important part of their receiving core. He's three straight days of DMPs. He's not uh, practiced yet this week. He's listed as questionable uh, doesn't seem optimistic there, but yeah, that's uh, that's an important name to keep an eye on too. So, uh, listen, Browns have a great opportunity to win a football game, but it comes with a unique set of quarterback situations on both sides that we have to see how they play out. It's a real wild card in the whole operation of this game. But anyway, for more on the Cardinals, we're going to get over to Bo Brock, who I think does a great job in the interview with us, giving all the information about really the status of the Cardinals, what they're looking to do this year, how they're approaching the asset allocation stuff, but how they're performing for their head coach, who took a lot of public scrutiny. And, uh, you know, like I said, this team is 1-7, in seven, but there's some silver linings that can be in hand here, and I think that that's the thing I want to talk about most, is we also learn a bit about the scheme stuff they use, the roster as well. So it's all included. Let's get over to that interview right after a quick word from our sponsor.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
1: Again, create that account, redeem the code OBR for $20 off. You can do so at GameTime.co. It is not .com, it is GameTime.co, but I would suggest downloading that app, taking advantage of the $20 off coupon using the promo code OBR. Download GameTime today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. All right, excited to have Bo Brock with us, who I think does as well as anybody I've come across covering the Cardinals. Bo, thanks for being here, man. Thanks for having me, man. Yeah, let's talk about the Cardinals, because it's an interesting time, I think, where people on the outside don't fully understand what's going on on the inside, right? So, you know, the label of tanking has been thrown around. I'm sure you've dealt with it, talked about it, and nauseum. You're tired of hearing about it. I don't don't think, listen, put it this way. I don't think tanking happens necessarily on the coaching level and the playing level. I think the front office can make some decisions that give you less of an edge and put you in a position to stockpile for the future. Is it fair to say, Bo, that they are looking at the future, stockpiling for the future, and trying to put together a plan that, that takes this year, builds on it, and puts the assets into place. I think that's, it sounds simplistic, but, but I certainly don't think that there was an all-in decision to win this year. Would you agree with that or not? I would agree with that.
2: I mean, this is a team that's rebuilding. I mean, that's that's the nicer way to put it. It's not an egregious tank by any means. Obviously, I think you make a great point, and, and I agree with it. As far as you know, the coaches, the players. I mean, they're out there and they understand that they have to play winning football, and this is a results league. Regardless of how long your leash is, as a first-year head coach and Jonathan Gannon, Drew Petzing, Nick Rollis, and crew, uh, and they're competitive. I think they're a lot more competitive than people expected. But Monty Austin, for their first-year GM. He got in here and it was an absolute mess. And he's been cleaning up that mess, taking this thing down to the studs, accumulating assets as far as draft capital and clearing the way as far as Gotti, you know, guaranteed dollars going forward and getting him off the books going into the 2024 offseason. So, you know, losses are a product of that, absolutely, of rebuilding. But, you know, as far as egregiously just tanking and trying to lose, that's not what this organization is about. And, you know, I think that the Arizona Cardinals have proven week in and week out that. If you just expect, you know, showing up and walking away with a W, that's not going to happen with them. Just ask the Dallas Cowboys in week three. Just ask all the teams that, you know, are scratching and clawing until the fourth quarter against Jonathan Gannon's crew.
1: Yeah, that's the thing. You know, the Browns obviously went through their version and, and they really ripped it down to the studs back in 16, 17, 18 area yeah. to try to build for the future. Now, the Browns are one version of it. They're still in the midst of trying to reap the rewards of that. Uh, what they put themselves in the position to do. And I think the Cardinals are looking at that as one of many examples of how to go about this. And I'm fascinated with it. Obviously, Jonathan Gannon's the leader, the selected leader, close ties to Cleveland, right, He's a Cleveland guy. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and obviously Drew Petzing too, comes from Cleveland last year. There's a lot of connections here. So talk about what Gannon's been able to do. Because, again, you know, we see these teams, you, you probably don't follow as many teams around the NFL nearly as close as you do the Cardinals. You're an expert in your own field. Mm -hmm. I'm sure from the peripherals you've seen some of the stuff people have said about public speeches that Gannon has made and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But it does feel like even though that sometimes people can do, you can do sort of the online bully stuff here. His guys have bought into what he's selling and are playing hard for
2: him. No doubt about it. And that that's a key part as far as a first year of a rebuild. And you're a first year head coach is getting buy-in and continuing to have people trust the process that he's put in place. And, you know, DJ Humphries, their left tackle, he hasn't had a great season, but he's, he's viewed as one of the leaders in that locker room. And he said that this was a culture shock, not a culture shift. I mean, this is something that Jonathan Gannon, like, you can poke fun of him, pew, 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 shots, yeah. explosives, when he meets Rondell Moore for the first time. And that's fun. It's a good meme. I get it, right? And then you see the, you know, the uh, when everybody meets up for training camp and he's sitting he's saying, did you take the bus? You got fire in your gut. Uh, I want effing killers. And you know outsiders say "Ah, I didn't buy into that, but you know I talked to Greg Dorch, who's a you know kick returner, punt returner, wide receiver on this team. He said everybody was was dialed in. They really that that speech resonated with them. So it doesn't matter what we think, right? And that's the important thing here. Like you can you can hate on Jonathan Gannon for being enthusiastic about his job. That's silly, I think, on your behalf. But uh, and I'm not speaking about you, my friend. But I, I think that you know Jonathan Gannon has you know. The key players in this thing uh, bought it. in, and in, in it's the the locker room, it's the front office, it's the ownership, and I think the fan base absolutely is buying into what jo- Jonathan Gannon is selling. Uh, you know, uh, Cleveland guy, as He said he's making his way home, uh, where it all started. Saint Ignatius, I believe, was his uh, was his high school where he started before going to Louisville and then turning the coaching, become a very talented defensive minded coach, and now a head coach, which I think he's actually more suited, you know, for success. It's he laid the groundwork and, you know, there's going to be heavy turnover even now from the roster going forward. Uh, But the the key players that are going to remain in here, he's going to keep their faith all through this like quarterback saga. that I'm sure we'll get into, uh, which is it was so important for this for this locker room to stay engaged the entire season uh, to for future results for Jonathan again and his staff.
1: Yeah. I know the eye is heavily on the future, right? It's excitement about that. Mm-hmm. I know from a fan base perspective, when you gather the assets, what you have coming with the pick, the Texans pick and some other things sort of yeah. looming, like, you know, it's, it's hard to be in the middle of a one and seven season without your eye kind of twitching, looking ahead because it's exciting, right? It's very exciting mm-hmm. to know the possibilities of what can come in the Especially middle of this draft class, a hundred percent, hundred percent. So in the middle of the season here though i think you and you you analyze you kind of peel back the parts that's what i want to try to do here because i know like i said the the idea here is the future and the positivity of it. but you know one and seven is not i think indicative of what this team is so kind of walk me through where the season started where it's been like i know again they beat the cowboys and they've been in some good games Mm -hmm. but uh you know the middle point of the season here where do you feel like they are because they have fought but now the quarterback change and uh, potentially you could update us a little bit on what the odds are that, that you know, either Kyler or Clayton Toon starts this weekend or wherever that's going. I'm sure maybe there's even an update I've missed today. But um, just where you feel like they're at in the middle of the season. Because you can start I'm, – I'm sure you'd agree with me, Bo. You start hot. The world hates us. They think we stink. But the <laughs> middle of the year, you're 1-7 and, and things start to wear down a little bit. And trust me, yeah. I've been through these seasons. So I, I just am curious how your vibe is on, on a big road trip to Cleveland and what that's going to look like for them.
2: Yeah, this is kind of the anomaly. This is like the outlier week because it was the bridge to Kyler Murray was Joshua Dobbs all along the way. Nobody anticipated that, right? I mean, he was supposed to be the backup in Cleveland going into the season before the emergence of DTR. And he becomes somebody that that the Browns could flip for a fifth round pick, which was good on their part. And I think it was a beneficial relationship for the Cardinals because Dobbs comes in. He had familiarity with Drew Petzing's system. He played under him all the way up until November, you know, throughout the offseason in 2022 uh, before moving over to the Tennessee Titans. And he was able to come in with a lack of familiarity with his playmakers, hit the ground running in a sense as their starting quarterback, kind of hold this offense above water. And for like three weeks, you know, I think that they were actually very impressive. You know, they – they beat up a little bit on the New York Giants before relinquishing the lead there. They beat the Cowboys. They really have an impressive showing against an elite defense in San Francisco because at that time, Joshua Dobbs was taking great care of the football. He didn't throw a pick during those games. He was actually kind of showing Maybe he was a little bit more accurate than people believe, but that that wore off, right? He turned into a pumpkin once it kind of hit midnight and his inaccuracies he's kind of where his downfall. But he was a guy, much like P.J. Walker, where he can come in operationally and be sound right get the guys in and out of the huddle make the plays that are there and, and not get too in over his skis and I think that that's what you're what you were asking for instead of having to turn to a fifth round rookie in Clayton Toon who's likely going to start this week against the Cleveland Browns um, and and not have to kind of throw him to the flames but you look at this team through three quarters for the most part has been rock solid competitive and then I think the disparity as far as where this roster is compared to the rest of the league, it really shows up because this team gets worn down defensively. It's a no show offensively in the fourth quarter defenses kind of pin the ears back and are able to get a little bit more opportunistic and put this, this offense in a bad spot, which then puts the defense in a tough spot and it just falls apart. But this is a team that early on, especially in first half is going to have success and put an opponent with its back against the wall. And if they don't respond, you'll end up like Dallas did in week three, but A lot of that's kind of worn off a little bit because of the adjustments they made on Dobbs. And now, you know, Dobbs is gone. He's wearing a Minnesota Vikings uniform. And we'll see, you know, can they catch lightning in a bottle? I think that's the best way to describe it from Clayton Toon here in his potentially his first NFL start. No doubt they're going to be motivated. I'm sure, you know, Gan is going to talk about
1: his roots and all that stuff. They're going to be dialed in. So yeah. let, let's talk about what petzings doing with the offense real quick. Just, just hit me up with kind of the vibe Or they, you know, with Cliff, they would sometimes live in a little 10 personnel. I know that they're probably shifting to more 11. Trey McBride's yeah. emergence has been an exciting part of things. So I know we don't know about Clayton Toon. You don't have to dig in on that because that's really a bit of a mystery, but talk to yeah. me about how the rest of the group is performing and kind of what Browns fans should expect them to be trying to accomplish on a down-to-down basis.
2: Well, let's, let's say uh, a familiar name. Yelda Frodeholt has yep. been just yep. really kind of a nice little addition that, that came over kind of a, a Swiss Army knife there in Cleveland, right? But has emerged as a, a solid, you know, uh, starting center for this team. And I think that he had a grasp of the offense and, and can kind of work hand in hand with Petzing and what they want to try to do and, and get these quarterbacks, whoever it might be, uh, ready. And I think there's been a great amount of continuity across that offensive line with you know, a veteran left tackle and DJ. Humphreys, and then a right tackle, six overall pick that you all are familiar with, I'm sure with his days at Ohio State and Paris Johnson Junior six overall selection. And then Will Hernandez, who is a draft darling in his, right, his own right, but kind of fell off of, out of favor with the Giants, and then I think has had a career resurgence as the right guard here. A lot of rock solid offensive line play, which has steadied the waters a lot with what they're trying to do. And then you mentioned Trey McBride. He has a great breakout performance, 10 catches, 95 yards, a touchdown last week in the absence of Zach Ertz, who's maybe came back a little too early from an ACL tear and just was rusty, went on the IR. And now that job is is Trey McBride's job going forward. and, And they expect him to continue to produce like that the tough thing right now is, you know, without James Conner, at least for one more week on IR until he's eligible to return, they've got an undrafted rookie free agent in Amari Dermicato kind of carrying the load He missed practice on Wednesday. So we'll see what his status is with a toe injury going into this game, because outside of that, it's very thin at the running back position. But they've still been able to run the ball, Jake, because they supplement it by... You know, the quarterback and, and Clayton Toon is a sneaky athletic quarterback, a far second most athletic quarterback in the previous draft combine behind Anthony Richardson, right? He's, he's able to get out there, be a little mobile, and I think he should be in line for at least an explosive here in this game on the on the ground. And then Rondell Moore, who's who's a shifty wide receiver out of the Big Ten, obviously in his third season, uh, he, he kind of out there in the backfield, kind of a gadget running back, supplementing what... You know, the down to down guys like Amari Dermacato and, and uh, Keontae Ingram are doing about four yards per clip, which is good enough, right? It's not, you're not going to get the explosives that you get from James Conner, but it's steady enough for Drew Petzing to do what he does the you know, 11, 12 personnel, you know, the two tight ends, but, and then kind of feeding the Hollywood Brown, playing a little bit of Amari Cooper role in that Browns offense. And uh, we'll see what Michael Wilson's status with a shoulder injury kind of a, uh, somebody that's emerged as a third round pick out of Stanford, but we'll see if what his status is a little bit later today.
1: Yeah. I feel like defensively, I think you would agree. This is where a big portion of the rebuild is going to happen. So talk about, you know, talk about what they're doing. I think they're still an odd front, right? So, so yeah. uh, yeah, Kind of walk us through the approach. Who's, who's standing out, who the Browns fan base here should know about, who's going to create some problems for them and, Again, just a little bit of how they approach defense—if they're an aggressive group or do they play a lot mm-hmm. of soft, sit in some zones? Like, I'm curious how they're attacking the season. As, like I said, I'm sure you you would agree they're going to look to be improving personnel here drastically over the next year.
2: Yeah, I mean the system gets you excited—the way that they're coached in the in the way that the coaching is resonating and how the players are are flying around the football—that gets you excited. But then when you look, like you said, like at the personnel, nothing stands out to you. I mean, there are a few out there are a few people that we'll talk about here, but. You know, the front seven is an absolute just revolving door all game long. And I think that they try to use the diversity of their pass rush, uh, their lack of talent and household names up front on the defensive line. They try to make up for that just by kind of having rotating guys in. And you'll see like two, three-man fronts. Sometimes you'll even see no true defensive linemen on the field. And they'll run a bunch of, you know, outside edge rush linebackers at you. And you're like, what the heck's going on? It's usually like a passing down. But, you know, I think Zaven Collins, who is a guy that uh, was drafted as an off-ball linebacker, has, has done a position change, and he's coming off the edge, and I think he's doing a great job in that. Um, you've got Dennis Gardeck, who's kind of a journeyman, more of a special teams ace, who's now emerges is showing a pretty rock-solid skill set. Uh, Victor Dumakeji, who was a sixth-round pick out of Duke, is, is also a guy that can kind of pin his ears back uh, and be violent, get into a quarterback. Um, and then Dante Stills, who was a six-round pick out of West Virginia, I think has emerged as somebody that I think, if, if all the ragtag group of defensive linemen, somebody that they can move forward with. But outside of that, it's like Jonathan Ledbetter, undrafted guy out of Georgia, who will have a good game here. But th- there's a there's a ceiling to that. And when you've got a good offensive front and a good run game, you can blow those guys off the ball. So yeah. it's 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 a front seven that they don't they don't do anything too exotic. They just kind of. They, they just let those guys do what they do. They don't really dial up too many outs, you know pressures outside of the front seven um, and then you know you've got i think the the back end of the defense it's it's getting healthier it's, it's they've got a, a third round rookie and Garrett Williams, who's playing slot corner who they're really really excited about and then you've got the old steady Buda Baker who's a torpedo flying around out there and Jalen Thompson, who's one of the more underrated safeties out there. Uh, you know, jumping into the slot, playing some free safety. The the inside of that cornerback group is is really impressive, and then the outside, it, it's it's really the the biggest maybe liability of this team. You got Marco Wilson, who's who's a third year guy that struggled mightily. Uh, and then you know Starling Thomas at a UAB this year has taken over for Keytral Clark, who they thought a six rounder out of Louisville was going to be a, a starter potentially, but then his production fell off a cliff. So I like to
1: close great stuff, by the way, I like to close with the angle of, you know, just your vibe around the game. Again, I know it's, it's not necessarily a situation where you feel like they're going to win all too many games here, but the Browns, I don't think they're going to play Watson. It's probably going to be PJ Walker again. And that offense is limited. Um, Now they can run it a little bit and they can do some stuff. They've gotten creative with screen game and all that. But I I certainly think there's a chance this is a low scoring ball game. Is your, is your vibe good about it? Do you think they can get it done or how, how are you feeling going into this one?
2: It's a strange it's a strange vibe, Jake, because it's like, this is the placeholder game. This is the stopgap, the final stopgap game between getting Kyler Murray back, right? It seems like he, you can circle your calendars that it's Atlanta in week 10, and it's not this week. It, it's been the plan, it feels like, week 10 against Atlanta at home, just more conducive for a guy coming off the injury that he's coming off of to get back in there, so you can kind of rule him out and – there's one active quarterback on this roster. It's rookie Clayton tune. And I think they'll probably elevate Jeff Driscoll from the practice squad to back him up on this game and not have an active Kyler Murray. Um, so you look, it's, it's PJ Walker versus Clayton tune. And like you said, probably a low scoring game, but when you look at these defenses and, and by no means is the Arizona Cardinals defense on the same level as the Cleveland Browns, but what Clayton Tune is tasked to do. And, and it's, I think it's asking a lot is take care of that football, right? I mean, you'll probably see some three and outs, you see a bunch of negative plays, but as long as you don't, you know, turn the ball over and cast, you know, catastrophic plays, you can avoid them. You know, the Cardinals defense, I think feels like they can be just as opportunistic against PJ Walker, who's had a tough time in his own right, taking care of the football. So, you know, I I think that they're going to expect their defense to make a play and put them in a position to win because it's not, I don't think that they – I think they'd be a bit naive if they think that this offense is going to do what it's necessary to win a football game.
1: Yeah, the Browns are sitting at 17 turnovers on the year, man, a lot of those quarterback-driven. So uh, defense has been really good, stellar, been getting three and outs, a ton, but they have not been able to create the turnover. So I think that, like you said, man, it's which team can avoid the mistakes – and stay on track and, and take advantage of every opportunity inside the 40-yard line, knock those field goals through and stuff like that. So, yeah. listen, it might not be the prettiest football game Sunday, but somebody's <laughs> going to win, and now you know more about the Cardinals, and uh, we can't thank Bo enough for that, man. So we really appreciate
2: your time, and uh, let everybody know where they can find you and follow you. Yeah, we're talking Cardinals football every day on YouTube, PHNX Sports, PHNX Cardinals is the podcast wherever you find it. And uh, follow me at Bo Brock on Twitter, B O B R A C K, giving you all the insight from the locker room to the practice field, uh, to the post-game uh, locker room and such. So really appreciate it. And uh, Jake, you, always, you do great work as well, man. I appreciate the kind words and love the insight.
1: Appreciate it, man. It's, uh, it's been good to connect. And I, like I say, I always try to give you guys one person to follow for every organization the Browns run across. And uh, I, I can't speak highly enough about what Bo does. It's, uh, it's all very well covered there. So again, Bo, thanks again, man. Thank you. All right, guys, that's a wrap for today. Thanks to Bo for stopping by and providing his insights. And then we will be back tomorrow with Brad Ward Game Day Podcast. Maybe we'll have a little bit more of a clear answer on Kyler Murray at that time. But as we sit here on Saturday, still not very clear what's going to happen with uh, who's starting a quarterback. Although it does feel like Clayton Toon is probably the most likely answer for that one. But nonetheless, want to say thanks on the way out the door for rating, reviewing the podcast, stopping by the OBR, reading the content over there. And most importantly, making this podcast a part of your every day. That means a lot to me. So a lot of really nice messages. Uh, some people have seen me in person, said some great things. It keeps me very motivated to keep doing this, that you guys like this podcast. So uh, apologies for not getting Andrew on and doing the usual weekend bit. We'll be back with that next weekend. But as usual, you get a game day podcast and all of the information you need after it as well. Should be an exciting weekend. Hopefully the Browns arrive, play well, and we get some answers around the quarterback position and feel a little bit better about that going into the heavy hitters in the division with the Ravens and Steelers' defenses looming. So uh, all the best on the horizon, hopefully for your Cleveland Browns. Again, thanks for being here and stopping by, and go Browns.
0: You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator